G'day everyone, welcome to another Turn Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's best Newcastle United podcast. I'm joined, uh, well this morning it is for us, with Dimi, uh, also in the Democratic Republic of Victoria. How are you Dimi? Good mate, uh, different, different do it this thing first in the morning, but um, but that's okay, we're, uh, we're in a good mood because we've got uh, the 1-0 lead. Yes, right. Are you a, are you a morning person or are you more of a, a night owl? Definitely not. Definitely not. You can probably hear from my voice. You're the first person I've spoken to this morning, so uh, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Mrs. Must be in a good mood then. Um, all right. Well, first of all, uh, if you're listening, watching, we appreciate your support. Uh, yeah, if you're watching, give us a like or a comment on uh, on the feed, and we'll um, any questions as well. We'll do our best to answer them along the way um yeah so we're here basically to just give a quick wrap up about uh newcastle heading in a half time of their league cup tie with a slender one nil lead um dimmy just quickly off the top what what are your thoughts at uh, at half time confident um probably should be a little bit more comfortable probably should have been if not out of sight maybe had another goal, maybe a 2-0 lead probably was, I think, what we probably deserved after the first league. So obviously 1-0, the game's still on. There's no way goal rules, so the game's well and truly still on in terms of the overall tie, but you've got to be happy winning the game. Another clean sheet. I mean, I don't even remember us conceding goals anymore, so it, a 1-0 lead almost looks unassailable at this stage, but but obviously there's still 90 minutes to go and, and Southampton will have nothing to lose at St. James's, so... Good, good start, but um, plenty of work to do. All right. Um, well, we'll start off uh, with the lineups. We'll we'll get to the um, we'll start with the home team first. Dimmy, I'll let let you do the honors with the away team or with the home team. Sorry. Home team. Yep. So in goals, there was Bazunu at right back, Walker Peters, Lianco, Kaleta Char, and Salasu in the defence. Diallo, Alcaraz, Ward, Prowse in midfield, and. Janepo, who's probably still asleep, Orsic and Mara <laughs> up front. Up front. Um, now, I'm, I'm tipping you all like me where you don't really pay attention to the changes and the intricate changes, I guess, of the other team, unless it's like a big name from a big team. I'm not really – or if they're in my fantasy Premier League team, I'm not really across um, <laughs> most of the players from other teams because – to be fair, they're not my concern, and I don't really give a shit about them. So, um, I was going to ask you, what did you make of their lineup? But I'm tipping you probably didn't don't care, just like I don't. Yeah, it's not not that I don't care. I mean, all all respect to Southampton, but in a game like this, there's there's not really probably besides Ward Prowse's set pieces, which is which are deadly, there's not really one player there that stands out that thinks, oh, no, we, we, we're going to have to really put some time into him. So that's that, that's a good good position we're in at the moment in terms of how solid we've been and how and how, how strong we've been. So, yeah, besides Ward-Prowse, the, the rest of them I'm probably not, not too concerned about. All right. Well, we'll jump, uh, we'll jump to the away team uh, as – we predicted on the weekend it, it was an unchanged lineup from uh, the Crystal Palace game. Eddie going with what probably he believes is his best eleven. Um, no surprises, Jimmy. That that was our eleven. Yeah, I, he he doesn't really change. We've been saying this for a while. He doesn't really change a winning a winning team or a team that's on a good run and. Obviously, there's there's going to be calls, especially after the game, to to be starting Isak and, and potentially Maxi as well. So we'll, we'll get to that a bit later. But you probably can't argue with that same lineup at least starting the game and and seeing if they can continue their their form. Yeah, um, yeah, we will get to uh, we will get to that a bit later on. You're right. Uh-huh. Um, so start of the game, first of all, it looked bloody freezing. The game, the ground, and everyone looked just cold in general um it was a i thought we started well um so let me uh preface this by saying i did listen to 
the game on radio and then rewatched it uh, last night. So my second ever time listening to the radio and that was an experience. There's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it sounded like, and then, um, and then looked like we had a pretty good grip on the game, especially in the first sort of oh, half of the first half, I guess we created a few chances, but looked pretty comfortable as well. Um, the Willick misses a couple, which, you know, he probably, yeah, well, he should take, but it, it seems to be a growing thing now that we aren't taking our chances. And we do seem to be saying this a lot. Um, so did, were you comfortable the first sort of 20, 25 minutes of the game and how everything was tracking along? Yeah, definitely. We, we looked in control. They didn't look like they were they were going to break us down. They really weren't testing us defensively. Not that most teams these days don't really test us defensively, mm-hmm. but it, it was a little bit frustrating that, we again, we, we couldn't take that early chance just to open the game up. I mean, in that sort of game where a team is – not sole focus on defending, but they're they're trying to be compact and, and hit you on the break. If you can score early goal, it, it just opens up everything. So especially that second Willick chance, I think when Trippier lifted a beautiful ball to the back post, he's he's got to have more composure than than what he did. He just completely fluffed it and, and launched it into the sky, similar to Chris Wood against uh, against Wednesday. So that that was a bit frustrating, and um, and hopefully hopefully. As we go forward in the season, these chances aren't these missed chances aren't going to cost us many points. But but yeah, in terms of the game, we, we looked in control and Southampton didn't really seem to have a grip or didn't seem to really have much say on the proceedings early. Um, we'll, we'll move on uh, to the to the big talking point of the first half and probably <clears throat> well up until. Oh, maybe the <clears throat> near the seventy fifth minute was probably the major talking point of the game. The disallowed goal from uh, Joel Linton. I know um, you're pretty strong on this, like most things. You don't uh, you don't sit on the fence. Your opinions are pretty black or white. <laughs> um, no pun intended. Uh, so I was in between doing something at work and I, I chucked on my KO and I actually seen this live. So the thing I I couldn't fathom or couldn't understand is one, the referee making the decision from the sort of spot he's in, like it, it's very hard to be conclusive where you are. And the second, like, the two replays that were shown on the broadcast, one, it looked like he's from the front or from the behind the goals camera, which is facing Joel Linton. It looked like the ball clearly hits his chest and his arm is out of the way and it, it doesn't hit it at all. And the second one from behind him is inconclusive. Like I don't think you can't definitively say where the ball hits him. What do you need the new ball? Or here and go long run because I'm really keen to hear how you think about this. Yeah, look, if, if we ended up not winning the game or or losing last night, it definitely would have been a uh, a show back to our long run. It would have been um, not 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 happy from this angle. But but look, it's it's the process that really shits me because, like you said, the referee is just in no position to see where that ball's hit. So he's only reacted from all the Southampton players appealing for handball he hasn't there is impossible to see from his angle the ball hitting his arm or or hitting his tummy or his chest he can't see it so that was the first frustration how the ref live can call the handball but the second frustration is i mean the camera angles like you said the one front on looked like it clearly hit his chest like the arm was away from the body it was it was all good but, but then there was another camera angle they kept using. There was it was like through the through the net and between goals. It was an awful camera angle. I mean, for a semi-final of a of a cup competition, I mean, sure they've got more cameras than there was two or three cameras or whatever it was. There has to be better technology to even try and make the decision seem a bit clearer. And and clearly it wasn't a an instance where they had enough cameras or they they could definitively say it was a 
it was an error on field. So they went with the on field decision. But the problem for me is the on field decision. There's no way the ref in that position, unless he's guessing, which he obviously was and influenced by the Southampton players, he could no way from his position see that that was handball. Impossible. Yeah. So I, like, we seem to be talking about this every other week, if if not every week, some kind of VAR decision, stuff like that. Now, my thoughts are it's it's open. Most of the things, except for like an offside or a goal line, there's still an interpretation. It's still someone's interpretation of a law or whatever it is. So you're still going to get, I guess, not discrepancies in decisions because how I interpret something might be different to how you interpret something and and vice versa. Now, I think Mark spoke about this last week, and I'm 100% behind him as well. At least have the audio between the referee and the VAR official on the broadcast so everyone can hear what what is being said and what is being discussed. And then, one, I think it takes out, not that there is, oh, there is conspiracy people out there, it takes that away because you can actually hear the conversation and how they've come to a decision and then people that are talking for the referees to be accountable blah 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 well they don't have to be accountable because you've already heard the conversation they don't have to front a a media or anything like that post game as well and at least you get some clarity with a decision and you might not agree with it or whatever like i said it's an interpretation but at least you actually understand how they've come to where they've come to like and i think if we can't get sort of I guess, uniform decisions, which you're never going to get in an interpretation job. Like, at least we can understand how they got there. So, I mean, in um, basketball, I know you can do that. You do that as well. Um, The cricket, when we watch the cricket and they go to the third umpire or they do a review, you can hear that as well. I'm not sure how the – I don't think – yet. I think they do explain it in the end in the NFL, don't they? Once they come to a decision, they – they get on the speaker and they explain what it is and then at least give us give something so they can understand. I reckon it's probably nearly the only major sport in the world that there's no explanation for how they've come to a decision. It's just this is our decision, move on. Like I, I think it, it's not going to change people saying it's going to get scrapped. It's never going to get scrapped. There's too much money involved in the game now for it to – to like get away and to miss clear and obvious errors and stuff like that. So I think the best they can do is that is, is to have some kind of audio feed whilst they have that decision. I know they remember they did it in the A league. Jared Gillard yep. did it yep. two or three years ago in the A league. And I thought that was really good. Like I thought it was really insightful as to how they, they come to that decision. I'm like, it's surely it's not that hard to. Well, yeah. To even if they don't, even if they don't release it or it's live as the game's going on, at least, post-game, release the audio, or post-game, like that's what they do in the NFL, for example. If there's a big decision or something's gone yeah. wrong, there's a reporter who speaks to the the crew chief, they call them, and they say, what was your view on this decision? Why did you come to this decision? And they sort of give – they don't give it a huge detailed answer, but, but at least it's something. Whereas in football, the referees are just sacred. You cannot ask them any questions. They never explain – they can make as million a million mistakes and and never be held accountable. And obviously, like you said, there's so much money in the game now. These decisions are are obviously getting even more important from a monetary position than than they ever were. So I think you're right. The transparency needs to be there. And we're in the 21st century. I think it's time that something like this happens and the referees are held accountable for whatever their decision is. Yeah, and like I said, some some referees might not like fronting the press and they might feel like they're being ambushed and stuff like that. That, that, And that's fine. They don't need that if they don't want it, but the least you could do is just have release the audio. Like you said, after the game, or just have it live. Like, what what are you, what are you hiding? Like, correct. What are you trying to hide? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you've got nothing to hide, just do it. Like then there's no, like you don't have to answer to anything and stuff like that. So that, yeah, that's my sort. That's where I'll sit on the whole thing. You might as well, you're not going to get rid of it, so make the, 
I was going to say the experience, but it's probably not the right word. Make the decision open and, and everyone for understand where you're coming from. And then I think, you, like I said, you might not agree with it because it's an interpretation of how one person sees it compared to how you see it, but at least have that option there to, to do. So um, anyway, half time we go in 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, Nick Pope, I think he had maybe one save from Alcarez, that sort of one that bobbled in front of him. And it looked like it did take a bit bit of a deviation off the, off the turf as well from that behind the goals footage. So it did look like he made a bit of a meal of the save, but until you watch it from his angle, it did actually move a bit. So it was a, it was a good save in the end and he'd done pretty well to get it out um, for a corner for what looked like a pretty routine save, I guess. So um, what about just after half time that miss from Joel Linton was Six yards out. Oh my god! Like I was, like I said, I was listening live on the audio. I reckon old Ando nearly had a coronary after he missed. <laughs> were you, were you at home then, or were you in uh, in transit? So thank goodness I was still at home and not in transit because uh, I might have driven the car off the road after that one. But <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was not good. I mean. It's a sort of miss that you that you see and you think shit. It's gonna be, it could be again one of those games where we're just missing chance after chance after chance, and they're gonna go down the other end and ask their way to a deflected goal or a free kick or some some rubbish scrappy goal and, and nick this. So it's it's definitely it definitely was uh, was frustrating. Thank goodness the missus wasn't here either. So I did I did make my feelings known after that miss to um to hold Joe Linton and uh look obviously obviously he he sort of made up for it a bit later on but um but yeah you, you can't miss you, you can't miss from four yards out open net that's just uh yeah not not acceptable and look it didn't cost us yesterday morning our time or, or last night UK time but as we as we get further in the season and th- these these chances are going to end up costing us it's going to cost us points it might cost us heaven forbid, cost us a trophy or cost us a top four place. So we, we really need to pull our heads up and um, and make sure we take these chances. Yeah, I I sort of um, mentioned in our chat to like a mental stage where we're in guys' heads, I hope I don't miss this sort of thing. So um, luckily, luckily, we um it didn't cost us what was it i think a couple maybe 20 minutes later not even maybe 15 minutes later well first of all we'll get to the change 67 minutes there's the double change where uh isaac and asm come on for willock and callum wilson now i think that just gave more so the fans i think a bit of a Bit of a spring in their step because that second half, I thought Southampton were giving just as much as they got. They were, they were much better in the first half. And look, I know it's a different competition, but they certainly weren't playing like a team bottom of the Premier League. That's for sure. So I think that that change sort of come at the right time and just just gave us that that lift. And then, um, yeah, it was. So I didn't see the goal until. Oh, maybe one o'clock by the time with work and, and all that sort of stuff. I couldn't I couldn't get to my phone until lunchtime to to actually have a look at the goal. So that I don't know what like the gear change from Isak, that turn and his ability just to change gears and get away like that. Well, I've seen obviously seen on Twitter everyone was gushing over it, but until you see it like my God, what a what a change of pace! Yeah, it's it's a different it's a different dimension. I mean, Wilson has been fantastic for us. He's a great poacher, all round striker, but he doesn't have that X factor to to skin a player on the wing and and cut it back for 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 a tap in. That 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 was special, and and that's the advantage we've got now with both Wilson and Isaac in the squad that. Whoever doesn't start, we're bringing on the other one with 25 minutes to go or half an hour to go, and 
it's a massive impact sub. And obviously we want to, ideally speaking, Isaac and, and Maxi will probably be in our starting 11. I know how you feel about Maxi, but ideally speaking yeah. in their, in, in their top form, they're both in our starting 11. So having that, having the ability to bring those two off the bench when opposition players are tired, half an hour to go, game gets a little bit more stretched. It's a luxury. And, and yeah, you could see Isaac was fresh. He completely skinned their center half who ended up getting sent, sent off later on. And yeah, it was a, I mean, if Joe Linton missed that, I reckon he might have just walked off himself if he, if he put that one in the back of the head. <laughs> oh, he would have he got have lynched off, I reckon he wouldn't have got no, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't have walked off off his own accord. Um so how well, actually we'll get we'll get to uh we'll touch on ASM and Isaac a little bit a little bit later on. Um so <laughs> barely I think it was like two minutes later. VAR taketh, VAR giveth. So, of course, and to be fair, I thought Adam Armstrong was probably their best player after he came on. Um, he, he was he was everywhere. He was up and about. He seemed like he really he had a point to prove, I guess, against his old team, like any the team he never really played for and stuff like that. Um, did you let out a few more uh, audibles after that goal went in? Yeah, I was in the shit. That this time I was in transit, and uh, I actually missed. Well, I was watching. Well, I shouldn't be saying that on on live camera, but hey, you were listening to the I, BBC radio. I was sorry. I was I was listening. I wasn't <laughs> watching the game as I was driving my my vehicle to work. But I did see as as the goal went in. Obviously, as the commentary is coming through, you're thinking it's a goal. It's a goal. And then as the restart doesn't happen, you're thinking, oh, what are that chicken here? What are that chicken here? I couldn't tell any offside from my from my, as I said, my vantage point as I was trying to drive my car. I couldn't see if there was any offside, but it seemed to be they were looking at the, the handball and as as they zoomed in, it it was a clear handball and that was probably a lot clearer than than our one and you were just hoping that the VAR would do us a favour and, and, and give it and not, <laughs> and work. not turn a, not, yeah, and not turn a blind eye, which we've seen before for, for us this season and it would have been typical of us that um, we get a goal disallowed for handball and, and the other team scores a goal for handball. That would have been just sums up how we how our luck goes with VAR. But luckily, Andre Mona did the right thing and and disallowed the goal. And and yeah, we're still we're still in the lead. Yeah, it, it, they always say you're most likely to concede just after you've scored. I, I'm not sure how or why, but <laughs> that it does seem to happen a fair bit. Um, so, yeah, like uh, yeah, you're 100 percent right. That was a lot more clearer than what ours ours was that we had uh, chalked off as well. So I'm glad, um, I'm glad it was chalked off. Like he literally nearly punched the ball <laughs> into the net. So, uh, and then I think oh, I was about 80, 85, 86 minutes. Um, ASM. Skins one bloke in the middle of the ground and goes absolutely charging towards our goal. Um, Charletta Saar unfortunately has to make a foul because otherwise I reckon he's probably cleaned through. Um, yeah, one on one with the keeper, picks up his second yellow card, off he goes. Um, not that it really changed, it didn't change the game. I don't think it just sort of made it a lot harder for them if they were going to try and, and nick a goal and, and get a tie uh, or a draw out of the tie is probably the right way to say it. Um, so clear yellow card. You have no no complaints. I don't think any uh, Southampton player complained about the the card incident. More so the afters. Now, um, he, Bruno screaming in his face probably wasn't um, a great look, but... Anyway, he's got a habit of screaming loudly for sort of minute things, Bruno, lately. Um, but Jacob Murphy is the one I want to sort of talk about. What did you make of it all? I'd hand him a lifetime contract now. His, <laughs> uh, <laughs> his, his shithousing is absolutely sensational. I mean, you... 
we like that banner said I think a few weeks ago from from War Flags. We we don't want to be liked. We don't we don't care if we're not liked. We're, we're just here to compete, and we we're not going to be sitting there and playing around. And it's all lighty da. It's all fun and games. We're we're competitive, and we're we're trying to win every game. So the the Murphy wave, the Bruno screaming in his face. Um, haven't got a huge issue with it. Obviously, it'll happen against us when we when we're losing, and and that's perfectly fine as well. But it just shows the the confidence and the swagger that Howe's got the whole squad playing with, and it's it's great to see. I mean, Mur- Murphy's just a a meme waiting to happen. Every every game, something happens with him, and he's either waving someone <laughs> off or, or he's giving someone a look, and that's sort of his. His role at the moment is off the bench and just shit stirring players as they as they come off. So that's that's always good to see. And and Leah, yeah, as I said, it'll come it will swing in roundabouts. When we're not getting results, people will probably be attacking us the same way and, and not teasing us, but sort of getting trying to get under our skin. But it's all it's all fair game as long as we're not um crossing a line in terms of like hands on faces or doing anything stupid like that, then it's fair game for me. Yeah. So I've got sort of two two ways I sort of fall with things like this. One, you can see the the action, so you can see the wave. Everyone can see the wave, but you can't hear. You don't know what was said to provoke the wave. You know what I mean? So you can't. So originally I know some people were getting, um, some people didn't like it which is fair enough, like on the surface that sometimes it is a bad look. And and the Newcastle fans that didn't like it, like um, not just neutral fans who hate us and will just hate anything that we do. And I can understand that because uh, I think the look, the look isn't great. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it. I'm a, I like to think I'm a, um, a fair person. I, I don't, I don't uh, react until I'm provoked. So but you can't hear, so you don't know what was said for him to do that. So you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And secondly, like, actually, this three points. Secondly, don't get a yellow card, and none of this would have happened for starters. Like, you've actually put yourself in this situation. And thirdly, I'm okay with it, but, and I think everyone can be okay with it, but if something like that happens and we're getting waved at, you can't then get the shits. You can't crack it with someone and go, oh, he's a dog, he's a this or is that. Like, what a smart ass. You can't. Like, we do it and we love it. So you can't just crack it when someone does it back to us. That's not how things like this work. And it's same with the time-wasting sort of stuff as well. We do it all the time. So you can't get the shits. If people start doing it to us, too bad. Like, <laughs> we do it too. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. But, uh, yeah, sort of seen out the game. Shouldn't say seen out the game. We, I think we still tried to to get another goal. Um, so halftime of the tie, we're 1-0 up. How, how do you think we should go about sort of the next leg at home? Now, I think that goal could be really, really important for us next week rather than on the night because of they have to come out and try and score now, which will suit us better. So how do you feel the ties at the moment? Yeah, obviously we're clearly in pole position and the way our defence is going, we're, we're not really conceding or Popey hasn't conceded one for 10 games. So we're, we're at the moment impenetrable touch wood that's um, – Teams are struggling, so they're going to have to score obviously at least one to even the time, probably two, if we score one. So, I think our approach should be <laughs> we say it every week, but try and get the early goal when the chance comes, score the early goal. And if we do score the early goal, that might that might just about do Southampton, and they might not that they'll give up. But if we go one nil up on the night early, two nil up on aggregate, they they're going to find it virtually impossible to score two unanswered against us without opening up and giving us more chances itself. So it is a very important goal because they've got to chase that chase that one goal. I think initially they're not going to be gung-ho about it, but 
just the normal way we play, we'll, we'll, we'll get chances early on and it's up to us to, to take them. Okay. Now, having said that, your uh, future analysis, do you think we will still, given that we've already got that, that one goal lead, do you think we will still play? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we're a defense. Like we're not a defensive team. We come out and we want the ball and, and stuff like that. But do you think we will be play like a very similar to how we normally play and just try and keep things the same, back our players and our defense to, to keep doing what they're doing and shut them out and, and hopefully score ourselves? So is that you sort of think that's how things will go next week? Yep, think think Leicester a couple of weeks ago in terms of how we played against them, the intensity and the and the full on attack on their goal. That's that's how we'll play. I think Eddie Eddie won't let the players think, oh, it's one nil up, ties over. He'll want us to be exactly the same, high intensity, create chances, score your chances, Joe Linton when they come from three yards away, Joe Willick, score your chances. And we'll be clear. So it, it, you can't really, the way we play, and obviously we train exactly the way we play, where high-intensity training players know exactly what they need to do. It's not as if we can just turn it on and off in, term, in terms of how we play. So I fully expect us to go full out, high-intensity. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely heaving. Oh, so rampant. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a, a wild night at St. James <clears> and hopefully a, a celebra- celebratory night that... Um, We'll finally book our place in the uh, in a cup final. Okay, so I've butted you up really, really well here, and you've said everything I wanted you to say. Does that mean ASM will start next week, or do you think it'll be the same eleven? I reckon, I reckon both of them will start. To be honest, I think Isaac and Maxi will start next week. That's going to be my uh, Nostra Dimmy prediction from now. Lee is going to love that one, but um, I, I think they're both going to start. I think Isak's due a start. I think Wilson probably could do with the rest. It's not that he's playing yeah, awful, I, awful, but he can probably, I think probably it's, do a rest. Yeah, I think it's yeah. more the opposite. Yeah, I think he's due a rest more. Like, he is due a start, but, uh, yeah, he's been underwhelming. It's probably the right way to describe him since he came back from the World Cup. Um, I think Isak's had enough training now to – to definitely be able to play an hour. And he's been a real handful since he's come on. Now, personally, I thought um, Maxi was really good in his sort of 15, 20 minutes yesterday. He got the ball, drove, listening to um, Eddie after the game. He was really happy with him as well, really happy with his performance, his decision-making and things like that. But I just don't think he'll – I don't think he'll start. I think the only the only change will be – if there is a change, I think it will be Isak for Wilson. But yeah, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll start yet. But I, I honestly, I really think, depending on what happens in the next four or five days, um, I think it's nearly time for him to start. To start, and whether that be unfortunately and I think. I think um, I think Willick, Willick should be the one to drop to the bench out of that midfield three. Um, not so much for his performances. Like I said, I think he's been really good this year. He's probably been out nearly our most underrated player so far this season. But it's just on balance where I think if, if the intention is to try and get Bruno a little bit more further forward, Longstaff can play that deeper role a little bit better than what Willick can. And I think Willick could be a really valuable asset um, coming off the bench later in the game. And then it also gives us that um, centre of midfield depth at the moment because with um, Shelby's injury as well, we don't really have um, like cover through injury in the middle of the ground. Playing three of them at once is a, is a risky thing. That Having said that, this could all change in five days' time when we might sign two or three players in that position and things like that. But, yeah, it, how would you sort of sit and how, how would you react to that situation if, if Maxi starts on their left wing and Joe in the middle and Willick drops to the bench? 
I think that's a natural change to make. I mean, Willock has been very good this season. He's been, like you said, he's been very underrated in terms of his his running ability, his performances have been has been very strong. It definitely suits the way we play, but I think Maxi seems to me he's not not that something's clicked yet. I'm not too sure about that, but his fitness seems to be back to what it needs to be. And I just think Joe Linton for me is a much better player in the middle of the park. We saw his goal yesterday came from him making a late run into the box. It wasn't when he was on the wing. He was making a late run into the box. And he's he's a prototype box-to-box midfielder and just gives us another powerhouse in that middle of the park. So I think it's two, it, there's two positives there with bringing Maxi in and moving Joe Linton back to the midfield. I think that's a big thing. But just back on Maxi just quickly, I, I very much liked when Bruno got hacked down that he, char- he was one of the first to charge in and sort of chest bump and get in the face of the Southampton players and sort of protect Bruno. I really liked that. I thought that was something different from Maxi. We haven't really seen him show that side of that side of him side of himself yeah. in terms of support, yeah. supporting his teammates and being a team player. And that that just shows that he's starting to come around in terms of being being that team player, looking after your your mates on the park. And I thought that was great to see. That was a good sign for for us, for Maxi and, and getting the best out of obviously on the ball, we know how good he is on the ball and what he does for us, but him doing that other stuff and supporting his supporting his teammates, that I thought that was fantastic. He does. He does it on Twitter. He seems to really like uh Bruno and he, he seems to like uh Wilson. He's he's been very fond of him. I think he's last night or the day before he was very uh, complimentary of Isak as well. He really likes him. So he does he's like his attacking players, not so much. I don't think he likes his defenders very much. Um Man of the match? Tough one. It's it's hard to say. I mean, we were in control of the game, but there wasn't really, for me, a standout, a standout performer. I think purely on the fact that he's come on and made an impact and, and set up the goal, I'm going to give it to the big dog because he um, oh. that ri- ridiculous run on the right wing. I'm, I think big dog deserves that he made the impact. He set up the goal. I'll, I'd give it to him. I mean, Popey made some saves, but they were standard saves for, for Pope to make. They weren't as if they were like the Mateta save on the weekend against Palace. It wasn't like that. So Popey was solid. Bruno was probably not his best game. He, he was solid, but I think the fact that Isak came on, skinned his man, set up the set up the winning goal in the end, I thought, um, give him the chocolates. All right. I, I was... Pope or I thought Bruno actually had a good game on replay as well. Still, I still marvel at his ability to get the ball in a tight space and manage to always put himself between his opponent and the ball and, and shield the ball and pass it on. Yeah. And sometimes you like, I think the beauty of him is his unpredictability is in not in a reckless kind of way, but you don't know what he's going to do with the ball when he gets it. Like, is he going to play it? like a short pass. He's got the ability to play a long pass over the top as well or play someone in like he's – that's what makes him great and his ability to, like I said, put himself between his opponent and the ball to to make that pass is is really, really good and I love um, I love what he does there. So probably Nick Pope for me, uh, yeah, his saves did keep us in, in the tie. So he'd be my man of the match. I think Bruno just misses out. And I love that little um, interview with them together after the game and I love um I think it was Andy Andy was saying when we had him on a couple of weeks ago Bruno calls everyone by their full name so it's always Nick Pope or or Kira Trippier or whatever it is so um Callum Wilson yeah I love I love it when he calls people by their full name so if you haven't jump on uh YouTube or somewhere find that little interview it's it's pretty cool actually so um just at the end we'll wrap up with a Bit of stuff kicking around the can transfer wise. Um, the Anthony Gordon, I, I nearly call him Aaron Gordon every single time, and it really annoys me. Um, the Anthony Gordon, I guess, are we are we hitting into saga territory now? I'm not. I'm not sure saga territory. I think um, clearly he doesn't want to be there. He's missed, according to. Keith Downey of Sky Sports. He's missed training two days in a row. 
Well, I he think didn't get a minute. Yeah, I think the first one was scheduled. Right. The second one wasn't. That's uh, right. That was my understanding of the situation. So yeah, the first one, the first day he wasn't meant to come in, but the second day he was, and he he didn't come in. Right. It, even even so, he didn't play on the weekend. Obviously, that was Lampard's last game, but he didn't play on the weekend. Didn't come off the bench. He wanted a move at the start of the year in the summer. Didn't get the move. Obviously, his his performances probably haven't been as as consistent or as as good as they were last season. Obviously, Everton have been shocking this season, so his his that's value probably has 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 gone down. So hopefully, that's where we can we can come in and negotiate a good deal. I mean, obviously, every player has a price. We're not going to be spending sixty million pounds on on this bloke. So if the price comes down, I think we'll get it done. If if not, I'm sure Dan and the boys have got got some backup plans, but with all the noise around this one in terms of the the journalists and the and sort of how how this, this deal's been described, it seems to not be a formality, but seems to be a lot more likely than than not that um, that he's gonna come to St James's. Yeah, I think I think the Lampard sacking kind of went against us, really. Um with that uncertainty with a new coach coming in, he maybe he wants to keep him or um, whatever it is. Um, so what what we've been told is there's a thirty million pound offer plus add-ons on the table. Um, obviously, hasn't been accepted yet, so <laughs> there's still a little bit of work to do with um, with that. What? Oh, it's always this is an impossible question. What's he worth? Like what? So, sixties is like ridiculous. Like it's he's nowhere near worth sixty million pounds. Like I've had following some evident fans on Twitter, and and now the joys of Elon, you can sort of swipe left or swipe right. I'm not sure which way you swipe, but you can get a for you, which um. <laughs> which is starting evident people are starting to pop up in my for you mentions and stuff like that. And I've seen things like 35 million pounds for a championship player, snap their hands off. Like these are evident fans saying this as well. So it's hard to, it's hard to actually get a value on him. Like he's a really, he's a really hard player to value. Like obviously there's talent there, but do you pay, for what he might be or you're paying for what he is now. Like it's a really it's a really hard thing to value, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And especially in, in England or in the UK, players player prices are just way way overinflated. There's always stupid deals going between league clubs. So that's what we have to be wary of. I mean, they're gonna be wanting I think they wanted 60 million in in the summer, they're probably going to want similar now, which we won't pay that. But yeah, despite what the Everton fans were saying, I, I've got full trust in in Eddie and full trust in in Dan Ashworth and Steve Nixon. If they see something that he can improve the squad, and I think he definitely would improve the squad, even if he wouldn't be a starter from day one. He's a a lot all jurist, all all respect to Murphy, the shithouser Murphy, but he's a lot better option coming off the bench to replace anyone in that front three. And I think where we're going now, and obviously we're not going to be signing four or five different starting 11 players in the next week. It's it's all about consolidating the squad and consolidating the quality we have. And as we saw last night, we've got Isak and Maxi on the bench. They come off the bench and, and help us win the game. You add Gordon to that mix, even if he isn't starting initially, it's another weapon off the bench. So... I trust, as I said, the price, obviously there's going to, always going to be a price that we, we shouldn't go over and the 45 million, which which sounds like stupid money, but that probably seems to be a fair deal at this stage. If we can get in for that, then we'll move forward. If, if Everton want more money, we'll have to, uh, I think we'll have to just say goodbye to that deal and, and, and look somewhere else. Yeah, I think, so I think that the 30 million with add-ons, is probably the safest way. Or maybe if it ends up a little bit more than thirty, but the add-ons are the safest way. I mean, if 
if Everton value him as much as they do and they think he can be a, a decent player, then the add-ons make sense. Like that's like you don't know if that's just them being hardball and, and he's gonna do this and that. Well, why are you selling for if he's if you think he's gonna be this for starters? But that's why you put them clauses in there, you put appearances um for your country and stuff like that. So if he is as good as what you think he's gonna be, then you'll be paid for that then rather than pay it all up front and cross our fingers and and hope for the best. So um yeah it's it's delicately poised, we might say at the moment. Yeah, I get the feeling he'd be he's open to come. They're not as open as him leaving, I think is probably the best way. So we've got well, it's 26 now, which is Australia Day. So sure should have shouted that out at the top. Happy Australia Day to anyone, any Australian that's listening around the world at the moment. Um, so yeah, we've got a few more days for this to play out. We'll see who blinks first and hopefully we can get it done. But um just our our regular scout Bobby, he he's he's big on him as well and he he sort of mentioned like I like I said earlier, I don't pay much attention to players and other teams and stuff like that. I'd rather just worry about us and what we do. But Bobby does it and Bobby's really, really good with with things like this. Um and he he really likes his flexibility, his ability to play in, in various positions as well, and that could be really handy. You sort of need that, um, I guess, that spare parts player who can sort of fill in any role any given day or injuries. He can cover certain positions as well. So it, that in that way, it could be a really handy handy signing. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen this, Dimmy, being the late starter you are this morning, but it looks like uh, Carl Darlow is going to be off to Hull for a six-month loan, uh, so I'm not sure if you've you've caught up with that yet, or you've just sort of woken up and and jumped on. So that looks like that's happening. Hopefully, there's an option to buy at the end of it. Um, another player we can get off our books. Still, nothing happening with uh, Ryan Fraser or Matt Ritchie or any of them fringe players who sort of are on the periphery. But that could something or something like that could be done in the last day or two of the transfer window once we sort of know what our business is going to be and and stuff like that. Um, I did see one, Dimmy, actually. Uh, this, once again, just popped up in my uh, For You feed. Um, Matthias, I've absolutely got a ball his name. Matthias Franco, possibly, he's uh, from Flamingo. Apparently the club have, have offered 16 million euros for him. That's being knocked back by Flamingo. They want 20 and a 50% sell-on fee. Now, <laughs> there is no chance anyone's getting a 50% sell-on fee after a 20 million fee, is there? Surely. Zero chance. That's That seems like something you do on FIFA, but not in real life. It doesn't even work on Football Manager. Like <laughs> It's not going to happen in real life. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty much all that's been kicking around uh transfer wise. It's been very we I mentioned this uh the other day with Jack. It's been a really unusually quiet not unusually, but a really quiet transfer window with we're on the twenty sixth now and we haven't signed anyone. Doesn't really look like we've gone close to signing anyone and no one's really losing their shit over it. So that's that gives a pretty good indication of where we are as a fan base and our trust in the powers that be that we trust what they're doing. I still think we'll get a couple in. Dimmy, what do you think? Yeah, I think we'll get at least two in, potentially a third, but uh, but definitely at least two. So we will, uh, I believe, Monday night. I'll just check the calendar. Yeah, I think so. Monday night, uh, our time, yep. which will be Monday morning uh, in the UK, we will do a we'll do a bit of a transfer wrap up. Um, we'll see once the transfer window slams shut. It's probably one of my favourite sayings. It doesn't gently shut; it just slams shut the transfer window. So we'll have a full wrap up uh, of how sort of things ended up with us. Um, we'll also We'll have a second leg preview 
as well at home tie. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. It's that's uh, it pretty much could be us, Demi. I think. All good, mate. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to All second good. leg. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, I'm back at work, so I'm going to have to listen to Ando and his really positive commentary on the radio at work <laughs> Wednesday morning again. So, um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening, uh, watching as well. Uh, if you haven't, give us a like on the video. It really helps us out as well with our algorithms. Um, jump on our socials, tune under pod. Um, give us a like and a follow, uh, comment, love interacting with everyone. Uh, Demi, what's on for the rest of the day, mate? Just the VUC tonight, buddy. Just uh, VUC versus uh, Sydney FC tonight. I do. So I'm allowed to go yeah. to the game, which is uh, which is positive, and uh, I'll be there in full voice, hopefully not with hopefully not with the um, the AFP and uh, – Constabulary outnumbering supporters. <laughs> hopefully not tonight, but uh, but let's see. That's definitely that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> There's going to be black shirts. Oh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, mate. Enjoy the rest of your Australia Day. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and watching. We'll see you Monday night, hopefully with a couple of new signings to talk about, and obviously a really big second leg at St James's Park. Let's get that place bouncing. Um, Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you, mate.